Our Bible reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 23. But before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your great goodness to us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for your love, your mercy and your grace that sent the Lord Jesus to the cross. We praise you that he rose again and because he lives, we too will live. Father, you are the creator of all things. You spoke and they came into being. You have blessed us so much with the beauty and diversity of your creation. You have provided for us in every way with the rich resources available to us. Forgive us when we have not been good stewards of your creation and have squandered those resources. And Father, now as we come to your word, we pray that you will strengthen Peter as he brings your message to us. Open our minds and our hearts to receive your teaching. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the dark, from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird 
according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. We haven't met. It's uh, wonderful to be here uh, this morning. Uh, lots of familiar faces for Catherine, my wife and I, as we've uh, showed up this morning. It's so lovely to see so many of you who we were here at our church with for many years. Uh, lovely to see so many faces that we've never met as well. How wonderful that you are that you're here at Living Church. Uh, Thank you. Uh, This church continues to partner with Catherine and I uh, in our ministry to creative uni students uh, at the Conservatorium of Music in Southbank and also the College of Arts. Uh, We're grateful for your prayers, for your support, for your encouragement. uh, And in many ways, we couldn't do what we do without your ongoing partnership with us. So thank you for that. I'm going to pray again one more time, and we'll get into it. Father, uh, as we come to your word this morning, show us what it means to be creative people in your image. Amen. Well, uh, let me tell you about Carl. Carl's a musician... Uh, At least he's trying to be. Uh, He started playing saxophone in primary school. He's pretty good at it. Uh, He did well in school bands. Uh, His teacher gives him lots of affirmation. So when he hits high school, his favourite class is music. And finally, he can do more of what he actually cares about. Uh, He's in three different bands and ensembles. And by halfway through high school, not only does he excel at it, but he's teaching others how to play. He doesn't have to get a job at Macca's anymore because he earns better money private tutoring. Uh, His private tutor and his school music teacher praise him for his abilities more and more, and more people come to view him as someone who is defined by being a talented musician. And Carl loves it, so he decides it's what he wants to do with his life. He's going to be a musician. Uh, He applies to do music at university. He gets in and he's all of a sudden surrounded by like-minded people, people just like him. But he's also more insecure than he's ever been because he's no longer the big fish in the little pond anymore. He's a little fish in a very big pond and he starts to feel anxious about how he compares to all the other people. Uh, His new private tutor is nowhere near as impressed with him. And he's pretty sure that others are at least as talented as he is, if not more so. Uh, His ensemble works harder and much weirder than he expected. uh, And life begins to feel just more unsettled. Not as easy, not as secure. But he works hard, he practices, he attends things, he learns, he improves. But through it all, there's this underlying anxiety that he deals with most days. And he doesn't like it. At some point in his first year at uni, Carl's friend Michael tries to tell him about Jesus. He was that friend. 
Michael's his friend at uni. He plays saxophone too, and they do a bunch of stuff together. But this, it's all a bit weird, and he feels incredibly awkward about it. He couldn't care less about Jesus or God or Christianity or any other religion for that matter. Uh, That stuff's got nothing to do with his everyday life. It just doesn't seem to be useful. His parents don't go to church. He doesn't go to church. In fact, most people he knows who go to church are annoying and weird. So anyway, he just does a bunch of stuff that he's pretty sure that it means he can't be a Christian anyway. So he's embarrassed when Michael tries to talk to him about Jesus. It's just weird. And he tells him thanks, but hope no thanks, and walks away with this feeling of, I really hope he doesn't try and talk to me about that again. Uh, a couple of years pass. Carl and Michael are in their final year at uni. They've both done okay. Neither of them are exceptional. Plenty of other people are better. Carl's grateful for his time at uni, but at the same time, it hasn't really been what he hoped. Uh, It's a great experience and everything, but things haven't really happened for him, as he was tempted to expect. He's pretty happy with how he's developed as a musician, but he hasn't come far enough. And all of the affirmation he used to receive uh, back when he was at school is a long and distant memory, because no one thinks he's amazing anymore, and in fact, he knows that he's not. Plenty of others are better, and that's not going to change. He'll be graduating at the end of next year. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He doesn't feel great. Uh, The anxiety he started to feel in first year has never really left, and he still struggles with it, and he's not sure it'll ever leave now. And his whole adult life pans out before him, and he's got nothing. See what happens. Michael, on the other hand, seems to be coping much better. He's, he's no better off than Carl. He's no more talented or successful, but he's just not crushed. He's not anxious. Uh, it's like Michael's got this bigger perspective than Carl, a, a bigger picture. Uh, Michael doesn't get any more affirmation than Carl does, but he's far more at peace and unbothered and secure Michael's pretty sure he won't make a successful career of being a muso either. But he still loves playing and he's not going to stop. He's going to become a tutor, maybe a school teacher, maybe even do something other than music one day. Maybe he'll go to a university like UQ or QUT and get a real job. (laughs) Michael's not threatened by life. Uh, He's got his eye on the bigger picture and it makes all the difference in the world. Friends, I don't know what that story is like for you, but welcome to the talk today. Uh, it's so great that you're here, whether you're a Christian or whether you're someone who doesn't yet know what to make of Jesus, because uh, this morning we're going to be thinking about that bigger picture, that greater perspective that Michael had, but Carl didn't. Carl and Michael are made up, by the way, but they could be just about any uni student that Catherine or I meet as they rock up to study music at the con or any of the degrees at the College of Arts. Uh, It could be any student, musician or otherwise, whether in the arts or not, for that matter, because they're young careerists, keen to make a go of being professionals, but staring down the reality that it's actually really hard work 
and it's not everything they hoped for. Carl's crushed by his study, but Michael's not, because he's got his eyes on a bigger picture, and that bigger picture makes all the difference in the world. That bigger picture actually helps Michael enjoy being an artist even more. In fact, that bigger picture makes being a musician even better. Friends, it's great that you're here because this morning we're going to be thinking about that bigger picture and I want to put before you this idea that art, that music, that being an artist or a musician or being someone who is a professional full stop is better when you're in a relationship with God. That being an artist is better, richer, more satisfying when you know God. That being a human is richer and better when you know God. Now, I don't know about you. You might consider yourself an artist. There's some budding artists, I hope. Who's doing a finder word right now? Yeah, a few hands. Good luck, good luck. (laughs) Who's doing some good drawings right now? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Good, good to see some adults are scribbling creatively as well. Uh, it's, it's good that you're here, and I want you to think about that idea that artistry and life and relationships and being a person is better when you know God. Uh, I don't know if you consider yourself creative. To one extent or another, we all are. Okay? And so whether this is the most exciting thing you've ever learned about on the artistic side or whether you feel like you haven't got a creative bone in your body, this is still all about you and who you are and your life. And this idea that, that life is better, that creativity is better when you know God, it might sound totally crazy to you or it might sound amazing and compelling. Whatever your reaction is, I want to ask you, to consider the idea that being an artist, being a, uh, a human is better when you know the divine artist behind all artistry, the God who made and enriches us and the arts. And what we're going to be doing today is looking at the source of art, uh, the birth of creativity. Uh, You'll find it in the Bible. I'd love to have your Bibles open uh, through the talk this morning. Uh, You'll find it in the Bible right at the beginning, uh, the first book in Genesis chapter 1. We've already had most of it read to us this morning, which means we've glimpsed an artist at work already. Now, I don't know what you uh, noticed when you heard the Bible reading this morning, but there's a rhythm to the words, isn't there? Uh, Have a look again with me from verse 1 of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God's hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be lights. And there was lights. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now what do we see in those initial verses in the Bible? Well first of all we see there's a beginning. In verse 1, in the beginning, God. There's a beginning and God's there. 
What does God do in the beginning? Well, verse 1, in the beginning, God created. He creates. He creates the heavens and the earth. The very first thing I hope you'll see that God does in the Bible is to create. An act of creativity. And not just an act of creativity, but the act of creation. Literal creation, the beginning of creation. He's not working with any raw materials. He makes it all himself, full stop. In the beginning, God created everything. How does he do it? Well, he creates by his word and by speaking. We see it in verse 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Simple as that, hey? How about somebody tries it? In fact, yeah. James, can you try and create a pizza by speaking? Pizza! <laughs> Nathan, can you make me a coffee by speaking? Coffee for Peter, please. <laughs> it might happen one day, but today's not the day. <laughs> we can't do it, can we? We're not God. God's word is powerful and able to do things that our words can't. What else do we notice as we read? Well, uh, God's creation is pretty good. Look at it, verse 4. God saw that the light was good. He separates the light from the darkness and he calls it day. The light he calls day and the darkness he calls night. So God's creation is good. It's light out of darkness brightness out of nothing and not because there's a lights desk up the back what amazing creativity what creative power and these things that we refer to every day like me saying good morning or good evening when it's night time or calling things night these are the names that God gives to day and night for his creative works day is light Night is dark because in the beginning God made it that, that, that way. That's where uh, night and day, light and darkness come from. And I hope you got a sense during the Bible reading that there's a rhythm, there's a beat to what God's doing. You might have noticed it as we we're reading. You can see it at the end of verse 5. There was evening and there was morning the first day. Now we don't have time to look at every day in as much detail, though I highly recommend you spend some time in Genesis 1 if you haven't recently, but notice the rhythm. I want you to hear the beat. End of verse 8, there was evening and there was morning the second day. Verse 13, there was evening and there was morning the third day. Verse 19, there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Can you hear the rhythm? Verse 23, and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Verse 31, there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And then the seventh day is different. The pattern is broken because the rhythm changes on a different kind of day. It's in chapter 2, verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Uh, there's so much we could say about all this, but I, do you feel the rhythm do you feel the beats? I want you to notice first God's orderly creativity. He's creative, but there's an order to it. There's a structure. There's a beat. 
Uh, notice, too, that his creation's good. In fact, seen all together, it's very good. Verse 4, it's good. Verse 12, God saw that it was good. Verse 18, God saw that it was good. Verse 21, God saw that it was good. Verse 25, God saw that it was good. And then there's a climax in verse 31, when God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So it goes, good, 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 very good. So make no mistake, this is creative work, and it's good, it's very good, it's satisfying even. This is an artist at work, creating, naming, working, developing, and then at the end of it all, enjoying it and resting. Chapter 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, and so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is good creativity, good work. And when it's done, God rests satisfied and finished. Now just hit the pause button, stop and think, when's the last time you stopped work and felt like that? When's the last time you finished working and truly rested, feeling totally satisfied? When's the last time you did any work and finished feeling like that? This is where creativity comes from. This is where life comes from. Creativity, life exists because God first created. He is the source. Creativity exists, art exists, music exists, we exist because God created. I remember a handful of years ago uh, taking my kids uh, who are with us today outside one night. We, we live very close to here uh, in, in Carina. Uh, and there was uh, a six-minute window when you could see the International Space Station go from one end of the horizon to the other, just uh, not with a telescope, but with your eyes. And as the kids and I went out there expectantly staring up at the sky, even before we saw the space station, it was just amazing. It was one of those nights where there's a full moon, there were stars appearing, the sky's clear as everything, uh, the bird sounds, the bats are flying over, it's the cool of the day and a hot day. And I remember standing there thinking, what a beautiful world and how rarely I notice this. And then we saw it, just like this bright star, but it was just slowly moving. We watched this thing, this bright light, go from one horizon to the other for six whole minutes passing by in front of the other stars, thousands of kilometres above us, orbiting in space with people on board, all the way up there in the sky. I remember standing there on our front lawn and just feeling small, <laughs> amazed. Because I'd been reminded that the Earth is a planet in a solar system full of other planets with stars, and it's so beautiful and ordered, so fitting for human life. 
because God made it that way. I stood on the lawn at the beginning of night because in Genesis 1, God made the darkness and called it night. And he chucked a sun and a moon and stars around as well. He made the world fitting for human life. And he created us to live in it, to look up at the stars in awe and to enjoy the fruit of a divine artist at work. In the beginning, God created. Creativity exists, art exists, you exist because God created. You know what? God's the reason you're here. Everything you know and you love about this world, it's yours because of God. From the air you breathe, the food you eat, the coffee you drink, the relationships you enjoy, it's all from your creative God's hands. He spoke it into being. Creativity exists, you exist, because God created. But it's not just that creativity exists because God created Creativity exists, our creativity exists because God created us to be creative. We were created to create, to be a people who express ourselves through creativity. So look again at Genesis chapter 1. We're picking it up in uh, verse 26 now. Verse 26. And God said... Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God's creative. We've seen a lot of that already, but... He creates man, he creates humankind, the human race. He makes us in his image, in his likeness. What that means is he made us, he made you and me like him. In his likeness, in his image, we're made to be like God. And what have we seen so far about what God is like? So far in Genesis 1? Well, he's creative. That's the main thing we know about God at this point. He's a creative God who makes us like him. So in other words, to be human is to be creative by definition. Now, there's this fairly typical view out there that working in the arts is a waste, Why not become a doctor or a scientist or a lawyer or an engineer who learnt the very best from doing word searches? (laughs) You know, and do something that actually helps people. Something that you could study and then actually get a job. (laughs) Why would you study at a place like the Conservatorium of Music, for example, or the College of Arts? when you could study at UQ or QUT or some of the other Griffith campuses that give you the degrees that are useful. Because, you know, you you can't spend your life playing a musical instrument in your bedroom. 
I don't know if you've come across that idea before. The same idea goes for other forms of arts too, whether it's visual arts, performing arts, acting, comedy. What a waste. Such a waste. But here's the bigger picture. Our God, our maker, is a creative God. And he made us in his image, which means we're made to be creative. That means that the arts have dignity. To be an artist is to be like God. To be an artist is to be human even. Being an artist isn't the sum total of a human being. He also calls us to take care of the world and to rule over it, to care for it on his behalf. Taking care of the world and each other is a part of being human as well. He also calls us to be in relationships with him and with each other. And so relationships are an incredibly valuable part of being human too. But the thing we're majoring on today is that to be involved in creative work is to be human. Creative work has dignity because our creative God created us in his image. We are created to create. The reason creativity gives us joy is because God made us that way. It's part of the gift he gives to us. Did you know that? That your creativity, that your enjoyment of creativity is a loving gift from a creative God who created you. So it's worth asking the question in light of all of that, why is it so hard to be an artist? Why do so many people think it's a waste of time? And why is it so hard to make a living from creative work? Or even just to enjoy the arts without feeling guilty? Because, well, when you look around you, do you see a world like Genesis 1? Sure, there are seven days a week. There's still sun, moon and stars. There's day and night. That's still going on. But what about the people? Is humanity ruling the world as God asked and created us to do? No. Does humanity live in light of the fact that we've been made in God's image? Do we honour God as our creator? Do we even care about him? Friends, you know the answer. We live in a world that doesn't give a stuff about God. Sure, there are some who do, but most don't. And even those who do acknowledge God don't actually live the way that he has called us to live. We live in a world that's in rebellion to God, a world that rejects God, God's creative order. God made us, but we've turned our backs on him and we've done things our way. Humanity as a race has declared independence from our maker and we have it. And the world as we know it, creativity in the arts and life and everything as we know it, is the result of humanity's turning away from God. 
Now, when a, a chair builder builds a chair, sits on it and it breaks, what does he do with the, with the remains? Well, he throws it away because it's broken. It's good for nothing. It's made for a purpose, but it doesn't fulfill the purpose, so it's, it's no good. And friends, were it not for the mercy of God, that's what we deserve. God's made us for a relationship with him. We were made to rule God's world under him, to live as creative people, creating, working, enjoying and living life in his image. But we all, without exception, have rejected our maker and live life our own way instead. And this is why being an artist is so hard. This is why uh, working in the arts or even just our enjoyment of the arts, in fact, life full stop is hard. This is why relationships are hard work, why life is hard work. But, but, because of his, God, his great mercy, God stepped into the mess. God stepped into our broken world and created a solution. The story you'll find in the Bible, the story we just began this morning, the story we read only at uh, the very beginning of, beginning of in Genesis is the story of humanity rejecting God but God, instead of throwing out a broken chair, instead of throwing out the humanity that rejected him and his design, even though he would have been right to do so, the story of God stepping into the world and rescuing us. Now, I'm talking about Jesus. I don't know what you think of Jesus. I don't know what you've heard of Jesus. But here's what the Bible tells us about Jesus. Jesus is the God who made the world. The God who made humanity. But after it all went pear-shaped, God became a human. He stepped into his creation as a man. And he died on the cross so that we could be restored to the image of our creator God. He died for us so that we could be restored to who we've been created to be. There are four accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible, four different historical accounts of Jesus' life, death and resurrection, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. If you've never read one, you really should, and I'm sure someone here would be keen to help you. But here's one quote from one of them from the beginning of John's account of Jesus. John says this, In the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, if those words sound kind of familiar, it's not a surprise because they sound so much like the passage we read from Genesis, don't they? In the beginning... John's intentionally mirroring the start of Genesis to tell us something important. He wants us to make that mental link. But instead of in the beginning God created, we get in the beginning was the Word. This Word was with God, but the Word also was God. Who is the Word? Well, John goes on to tell us the Word is Jesus. 
In Genesis, God created by his word, but John tells us that Jesus is that word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh, he became human and lived among us. He came into our world, the world he created, and he died for the world on the cross so that we could be restored to our true humanity, restored to the image of God, restored to relationship with God, restored to the life we were made for. He stepped in and he does this for us through entering our world and dying for us on the cross. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. It's famous for good reason, and it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gave his Son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, won't be a chair chucked in the trash but instead would have eternal life restored to relationship with God, restored to God's image now and forever. Now, friends, I don't know how you resonated with the stories that you've heard today and the stories of the students I told at the start of the talk. I realise that uh, many of you here this morning, you won't think of yourself as musicians or artists, though I know certainly some of you are. Many of you are artists of some kind, even if you're not trying to make a career out of it. But here's a picture of what most students that Catherine and I minister to at the con will experience. And I want to see if there's any uh, resonance with you and the things that you go through in life, whether you're at uni or work or school or whatever you find yourself doing. So the students we uh, minister to, they rock up at the con to do uni to begin a life of being a musician. They have all these expectations of how great it's going to be, but then, if you're one of these students, even if you do turn out to be successful, you still don't have your expectations met. You still won't find the everything that you're hoping for. It's highly likely that your years, while enjoyable, will be marked by a level of underlying anxiety. This kind of emptiness that lurks beneath the surface that becomes increasingly hard to ignore. Because if you want to enjoy being a musician, being an artist, being in anything, even just being human, you need relationship with God who created you to be a human. You need relationship with the creator who created you to be creative. So let this be an invitation. If you're not a Christian, if this is all pretty weird and wacky to you, I want you to consider the possibility that what you're looking for, it won't be found at uni, it won't be found at work or at school or on a stage or anywhere, but it'll be found in a person. In Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus died on the cross so we could be restored to relationship with him. Now, I promise you, Jesus is far better than you've ever imagined or heard. And you will not regret 
checking him out. God has a vision for you and for all of the arts, for all of life, that far outweighs anything you've ever imagined or experienced so far. And I reckon that's worth considering. If you are someone who believes in Jesus, if you're a Christian, can I ask you, when's the last time you paused and realised that you were created to create? That being creative is by definition a part of what it means to be human. Have you segregated your creativity from your Christian life? Do they have nothing to do with each other? Have you segregated your work from your Christian life? Uh, That's what I did when I was uh, at uni, when I was a young adult, for sure. In fact, all of my life to that point. I had my Christian life and I had my music life. I studied music at uni. And those two things had nothing to do with each other as far as I knew. I liked keeping them totally separate. But it doesn't work. And one always gets in the way of the other. If that's how you do it, one usually gets squished. And here's a heads up, it's usually the God side. It's usually your Christian life and your relationship with other Christians that'll get squished and squeezed out. Friends, don't let that be you, because it doesn't have to be that way, with either professionalism or artistry or whatever it is that you're chasing. Consider the idea that life, that art, that work, that everything will be better, that your relationship with God will be better, that when you realise it's all a gift from God's hands that can be enjoyed and pursued for his sake and not yours, then all the pieces start to fit together and everything gets better and richer. If you're not sure if you do this, let me ask you, Do you enjoy creativity? Do you express your creativity? Do you enjoy your work and your life? Do you walk around thanking God that he's given it to you? That you get to do what you do? Or do you kind of have set times and spaces where you think about God and the rest not so much? Do you realise the dignity of being involved in creative work, in in the arts industry, in any industry for that matter, because you're made in God's image to work for him. Friends, we were made to live our lives as people made in the image of a creative and rescuing God. And together, we can embrace that amazing and high view of the arts and of work and of life, the world and everything that will help us to live and work and create without the lurking anxiety, without the emptiness, but with a joy that trumps all the ups and downs. It's all on offer to us in Jesus. And following him at uni or following him at work, at school, in life, in everything. Would you consider that? And thank you again, because... Catherine and I get to hang out at uni with young creative students, sharing this with them and actually being able to look them in the face and say, did you know that being an artist will be better when you know God? Thanks for partnering with us and helping us to do that.
And I hope that you can walk away from here this morning thanking God that he has made you to be a maker, (laughs) to be creative, and to enjoy creativity in light of the person he has made you and the world to be. Let's pray to him now. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for creating us and for creating us to be creative, people made in your image. Father, we pray that you'd help us to no longer rebel against you, but to come to you through the word that became flesh and died for us on the cross by trusting in your Son. Restore us, recreate us into Jesus' image and help us to enjoy and live creatively, knowing it's a gift and a joy from your hands and part of who you made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, mate.